0: Praise the Lord. Are you guys there in cha- uh, the book of Acts chapter 9? We're going to start reading in verse 1. Praise the Lord. Now the Bible says here in this portion of Scripture, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Now he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there he, who belonged to the way, somebody say the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Amen. Now, now here. Saul. He was a believer. He, he knew God, right? He knew God. He was a, I believe he was a Pharisee or a Sadducee, very, very uh, uh, intellectual man, and yet he was uh, persecuting the Christians. He was asking for letters. For, he was saying, you know, give me the right to go and grab these people and take these people and take them prisoner. Amen. For what, the way that they believe, the things that they believe and the things that they're talking about. Amen. And how do you know we're coming to a time real soon just like that? When people are getting arrested, people are getting tickets for having Bible studies in their house and different things like that. Amen? They're, they're beginning to involve the law in the Christian life. Amen? And how many know that we're living in the end times? Praise the Lord. And verse 3 says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless, for they heard the sound but did not see anyone. Now Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. anything. Amen. Has anybody had a, an experience like that with the Lord? Amen. I don't think so. Praise God. Maybe they have, Amen. But here in this passage of Scripture, we read about a brother named Saul, Amen. Somebody say Saul. A lot of people, or some people, but I believe you go have your have your seat here this morning. Praise the Lord. A lot of lot of people they might not know about this story, but this is a pretty, you know, pretty famous story within the Bible. We hear about Paul, right? Everybody knows Paul, right? We all know who Paul is. Not the gentleman sitting in the back that teaches our Vette. Praise the Lord. Not that Paul. Because everybody knows him, but everybody in the Bible, they know Paul in the Bible, but some people don't know that Paul was actually Saul. He was another guy before he became Paul. Amen. How many know that some of us were another guy or another woman before we came into the church as well? Amen. Or was that just me? God just changed me. Come on, I know there's some people in here that are changed by the power of God. Amen. Now, this passage, it describes the encounter between Saul and Jesus. There was an encounter on this road. It wasn't a, a, a just a happenstance. It wasn't just a, some coincidence that he ran into this, you know, this uh, experience with Jesus. How many know that it was on purpose? Amen. It happened for a reason. So Saul had an experience here on the Damascus Road, and that's what they usually call it. They call it the Damascus Road experience here with Saul and Jesus, and a road that would take Saul... To becoming the greatest evangelist of the early church. Also the greatest writer of the New Testament. So when you, you know you get involved in veti and you start, you know, you first you take phase one. How many of we're involved in fresh start right now? You go you through your phase one, and you go through your phase two, and then we're gonna be starting phase three, right? Where you're just learning all about christian You're all learning about faith and what it is to be a Christian and how to walk with Christ and all these different things. And then once we get out of phase three, then it's time to get into veti. Amen. And you begin to learn more, get more in depth about this kind of stuff. But you don't have to wait for veti, you can open up your Bible, amen. That's really all you got to do. Just open up your Bible, but if you have questions, that's when you go see Brother Paul. Amen. You say, hey, Brother Paul, i got a question about this portion of Scripture. I need some enlightenment. You need to share with me. Amen. And he will be happy to do that. Can I hear name? amen, Brother Paul? Come on. That's what he does. Amen. Now, this pastor, again, it, it talks about a, a, an encounter, right? It talks about an encounter between Saul and Jesus. But tonight, I don't want to talk anything about that encounter. Amen. I'm not going to talk about Saul and Jesus because it's there in the Bible for you. Go ahead and read it on your own. But tonight, I want to share about another person that had an encounter. He's not really well-known in the Bible. He's in the Bible, but he's not really well-known. He's not very famous, Uh, amen? He's what we would call a regular guy. Is there any regular guys here this morning, any regular women here this morning, amen? How many know that Jesus has encounters with regular people as well? Amen, because we know we find out that Saul wasn't really a regular guy, right? He was, a, he was a persecutor of the church. Even after he had that encounter, he still wasn't a regular guy. He became, like I said, he became one of the greatest evangelists in the Bible, the Bible time. He became the greatest writer of the New Testament, praise the Lord. But how many you know that God wants to use regular people as well? And there was an encounter here in the Bible with, with another guy, praise the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, another guy. And his name was Ananias. Ananias, praise the Lord. Has anybody ever heard of Ananias before? Okay, there's a few of you, amen. That means you read your Bible, praise the Lord. Now here, nobody really remembers Ananias. We kind of just pass over it when we read the Bible because we're all caught up in the story of Jesus and Saul and his experience on the Damascus road. But there's a story to tell here too when it comes to Ananias, amen. You see, the early church didn't recognize him as part of the ministry really because they don't really talk about him. The Lord didn't blind him with a bright light like he blinded Saul there on the road to Damascus. The Lord didn't change his name. He was still Ananias. Amen. Like Brother Saul. After he had his experience, he became Brother Paul. Hallelujah. They didn't really change it. They just changed one letter. Amen. Praise the Lord. But how many know that sometimes uh, 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 it's okay if we're just a regular person to realize that God wants to use us as well? It's okay to believe, you know, that I'm a regular guy, but I know that God wants to use me. I know that God has a plan for my life. I might not be a... A Saul that's going to get turned into a Paul, like in the Bible. Amen. My name might not get changed, but I, God still wants to use me to change some people. Amen. The Lord didn't send him out and suffer imprisonment, right? You never read about Ananias going to prison. He didn't uh, get tortured or he was never involved in any shipwrecks, at least not that the Bible talks about. Amen. And the Lord didn't give him an assignment to go change the world right? He didn't give him a calling to go change the world. Because you read about Brother Paul there in the Bible, and you read specifically where God called him to go do great exploits, right? To go uh, evangelize the whole known world for his honor and for his glory. But you see, the Lord did give Ananias an assignment. Amen? The Lord did give Ananias an assignment. So just because you're a regular guy, don't think God is not going to call you to do something for him. He's still got a plan. He still has a purpose for your life. Amen? The Lord gave Ananias an assignment to change the world for one person. You may never be asked to change the whole world or everybody in the world, but you will be asked from time to time to change the world for one person. Can I hear an amen? You see, God chose an unknown, ordinary Christian to welcome the number one persecutor of the church into the fellowship of believers. Amen. So when you read the story there about Paul, I'm going to give you just a little bit of background. Again, he was out there. He was arresting Christians, and he was bringing them to prison, and he was, you know, setting them up and all these different things. And all of a sudden, he had this experience on the Damascus Road, and now all of a sudden, he's saved, right? Now all of a sudden, he's a believer, and God has changed him, and, and now he, he, wants to, he wants to do something for God now. Amen. Sound familiar? Right? But how many know sometimes most, a lot of people, they don't want to welcome those kind of people into the fold? Because remember who that person used to be. Like, wait a minute now. This is the guy that used to, used to do this and he used to do that. Isn't this the guy that used to steal and rob the houses down the street so he could go get high? Amen. I'm talking about me. Amen. And now I want people to welcome me into the fellowship of believers. Hey, man, I want to come to your church. Amen. You know, and people begin to pull their purses real close. What? I don't know, man. This is what was happening. Amen. This is what was happening. This is the story that was happening right now. Okay, so follow me here this morning if you would. God didn't choose a dynamic preacher like Peter. See, God could have called Peter, right, because Peter was awesome. He could have called John. John was awesome, right? These guys were apostles, right? Paul knew about these guys, so he was there. The Bible says that he was taken to a house, right, and he was blind. He was there for three days. He didn't eat anything. So I'm sure that, you know, if Paul or Peter would have showed up or maybe John would have showed up to the house, he wouldn't have been surprised. He would have been like, oh, I know these guys, I figured these guys were gonna show up, right? Sooner or later, as soon as they heard about what happened to me, you know, God sent the heavy hitters, right, to welcome me. Because a lot of people were talking about what was going on, and I God, do you hear what happened to Paul? Or, I'm sorry, to Saul? Now they're calling him Paul. Ooh, God changed his name, right? I'm sure that's what was happening. But do you remember who he used to be? You remember what he, just the other day, he was arresting, you know, my homeboy, <laughs> amen? He was arresting my sister, my brother, my mom now today he's all saved and sanctified hallelujah sound like anybody you know nobody here today amen praise the lord nobody here this morning praise god but amen but god didn't choose those guys god didn't send peter he didn't send john he didn't send any of the other apostles to go meet brother paul amen he used just an ordinary disciple he picked someone just very average you know when you compare them to those kind of people you compare them to peter and paul at that or at that point because remember they all started out ordinary right how I many of all well, the disciples started out that way. They were just fishermen, right? They were business owners, regular guys working for a living. Praise God. Is anybody here working for a living? But how many know that God still wants to use you? God's still got a plan for your life. Even if you're, you might just be, you know, I'm just a business owner. I'm just trying to make ends meet. That's my daily routine. It's okay. God's still got a plan for your life. God has still called you. So there's not a lot known about Ananias. But what we do know is we know some of the qualities that he had. The Bible doesn't go into a lot of detail about this man, but it does say a few things about all the qualities that he had. Some of the qualities that made him a hero that we seldom hear about. And We usually call those what? Unsung heroes. Amen. And I believe that we need some more unsung heroes here this morning within the church. Now, one of the qualities that I, Ananias displayed, you'll see it here in the book of Acts, chapter 9, verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Bible says that the Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. And here in this, that portion of Scripture, we can see a, a quality that I believe uh, every person needs to have. If you're going to answer the call that God has put upon your life, if you're really going to go forward and, and answer that call and, and really want to see God move through your life, this quality you have to have. You have to have the desire and the hunger to be a disciple. You see, Ananias had a hunger to be a disciple. He might not have been a, a Peter or a John. He might not have been a Paul. He might not have been one of these guys, but he was still, he still had a hunger to be a disciple. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, if you read that scripture, the Lord called to him in a vision. And he said, Ananias, God called out his name. Amen. I believe God has probably called your name at one time or another. Did you hear him? And he said, yes, Lord. Now, just from my experience and you know, my point of view, I guess you could say, if the Lord calls your name and you hear him, I believe that you've positioned yourself in the right place, which means you have a hunger. You want something from God. You want to be a disciple. And when you want to be a disciple, when he calls your name, you're going to hear him. Again, God calls our name, and sometimes we don't hear him because we haven't positioned ourselves as a disciple to receive. We don't have a hunger for that discipleship from God. We just come to church. Amen? But I believe God is calling your name here this morning. Now, you see, the word disciple means someone that both learns And follows another. And in John chapter 8, verse 31, the Bible says, To the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Now here I found something very interesting. I looked up the word disciple. Now the word disciple, it's taken from the Greek root word, translated, that means our word, arithmetic. Kind of weird, right? Like, disciple? Arithmetic? You know, a lot of times you read Greek words, you can see the, you can see the correlation, but with this, it doesn't really, it doesn't make sense. Amen. How you know sometimes things in God don't make sense? Amen. But I'm going to make a little bit of sense out of it here this morning. Praise the Lord. Follow me. Amen. This is not an arithmetic lesson because I used to hate math. Amen. So when I read that, I was like, oh, shoot, I hope I ain't going to have to do math. Praise the Lord because that's all bad. Amen. But see, there are two keys to mastering arithmetic. Thought plus endeavor. Follow me. Okay. Don't get lost. There's two keys to mastering. There's two things you got to know about, you know, being able to do arithmetic, you know, uh, uh, successfully. There's the thought that's put into it, and then there's the endeavor to solve it. Amen? So first you have to what? You have to think about the problem, right? The problem is put before you. You got the math problem, the arithmetic problem there, and you have to look at it. You begin to think about it. You begin to, you know, ponder it. And okay, I see. All right. It looks pretty hard. Amen? (laughs) I know for me, I used to look at arithmetic and you said, what the heck? I would see hashes and little squiggly lines and parentheses and this, and I was like, man, whatever. And yeah, amen. The rest is history, amen. I believe that was the, that was the beginning of my road down, amen. Math was the one that did it to me. It wasn't the devil. Amen. So we begin to look at the problem. We begin to check it out, right? We get to look at it, and we say, man, okay, this is definitely a problem. But then what we have to do is then we have to switch, and then we have to endeavor to solve the problem. Amen? So it's a two-step process there in arithmetic. Now, when we apply this principle to discipleship, right, when we take the same thing for arithmetic, first we see the problem, right? We have to think about it, and then we endeavor to solve it, and we take that and we put it in discipleship. It points to someone that both learns from Christ, because I know that God is teaching us something. Christ has wanting us to teach us something. He's trying, to, trying us to get us to learn something. Amen? First we learn from Christ, and then we endeavor to implement his teachings. First, then we have to what? We have to act it out. When you you read the Bible and you read, you know, uh, 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 Christ was there, Jesus was there with his disciples, and he was constantly teaching them, right? Constantly teaching them, constantly teaching them. But you know he was teaching them because he kept telling them, oh, ye of little faith, because they weren't getting it right? He was trying to teach them, come on, you got to have faith, you have to do, it. look at it this way. That's why he, he brought, always brought in the parables. It was to teach them, not because he wanted to be a poet, right? Not because he wanted to be published, amen? It was because he was trying to teach them something. He was trying to bring something to their level that they could understand, right? So that's why he would bring these parables. He was trying to get them to learn what he was trying to teach them. But it, it's not just enough to learn something, because well, we, can, we can go to Veti, we can go to phase one, phase two, phase three, and we can learn that stuff, amen and you should learn that stuff but it goes beyond just learning it you have to learn it but then now what you got to do is now you got to take those principles you got to take the stuff that we learned there and then we have to implement the teachings it doesn't do us any good to learn it all and do nothing with it amen we have to take it in and then we have to give it out somebody say amen james chapter 1 verse 22 says do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says Don't just listen to the word. Because how many know we can sit here this morning we can listen to the word but then we can walk out of here and do nothing with it? It It's powerless. Just like a sword. This is powerless unless you use it. Unless you put these words to practice. That's all they are. They're just words. They have no power. Amen? So don't just listen to the word. Do what it says. Discipleship is achieved by a commitment to Christ. It's hearing and then obeying. I'm going to say that again. It's hearing and then obeying. Look at your neighbor say, hear it and obey it. It's learning something and then living it. Amen? Because you can learn all kinds of stuff, but unless you're living it, it doesn't mean anything. And there's a lot of Christians today that are learning it, but they're not living it. They go to church. They call themselves Christians, right? They wear all the Christian gear. They might even be wearing a Rockin' Faith t-shirt here this morning. Amen? Praise the Lord. They can wear all the great gear. They get all the hats. They can even have the greatest Bible and the Bible-carrying case. they got stickers on the back of their car. Amen. But they're not living it. Amen. They're not living it. It's just a trend. It's the cool thing to do. Amen. I, can, I know all the Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Like, pastors, I know when to sit up. I know when to stand. I know when to lift my hands. I know when to say amen. I know when to say praise God. Amen. But it's not about that. It's about living it. You see, God called to Ananias, and he answered, Yes, Lord. And as a disciple, Ananias knew the voice of God. If you're really a disciple of Christ, if you're really in tune with God and what he wants to do with your life, when he calls your name, you're going to hear him. You're going to know his voice. Because sometimes the devil will call your name. And sometimes you are like, yes, Lord. He, you know, and the devil probably goes, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. He knows what to say in just the right times as well. He knows all the lingo. Praise the Lord. He, he's, here, he's here right now. Did you know that? Pastor Steve, you always say that. The devil shows up to every service. He's faithful. He's here every service he's waiting for the ones that are like, yeah, amen, praise God. And then when they walk out of here, he's on them like, white on rice. Amen? Because they hear it, but they don't live it. So we have to know the voice of God. And as a disciple, his model of behavior was powerful. And that's why, as Christians, God calls us to reflect his image. As a disciple, we have to reflect his image, not our image. Not what we want people to see, but what God, what Christ wants people to see. Amen? And I believe that Ananias had that within him because he was a disciple of Christ. So he, want, he knew. He looked and talked and acted the way Christ wanted him to. And I believe that's one of the reasons why God called him, why God didn't have to call, you know, uh, Peter or John or any of these other apostles, amen? Because you see, the sheer power of Christian discipleship influences others to live like Christ, to live for Christ. Because you might say, well, you know, I don't have this huge testimony I wasn't this big, you know, gang member. Or I wasn't, you know, part of the, you know, the prison gangs. And, you know, we have those kind of people within our ministry. That's great. That's awesome. And they have their testimony. They're able to influence people like that, you know, to come to Christ. But you have the opportunity as well with the life that you live for Christ to influence people as well. To influence people to Christ. Not to yourself, but to Christ. Because, you know, that's why we do this here this morning. We're here this morning. We're living as disciples so that we can influence people to Christ. Not to us, not to Victory Outreach, but to Christ. There's a lot of Christians that model Jesus at church, right? They come to church, like I said, they're, they're the great old you know, oh, man. On the outside, they're like a poster child for Christians. They're like, oh, wow, that guy must be, he's holy. Look at his suit. Man, look at those shoes. They're shining so much. I bet you Jesus can see those from heaven, right? Amen. But they fail badly everywhere else. They're great at church. They're awesome here, right? When they come to church, I know there's no, that, nobody like that here this morning, amen. But there are people that are like that, but they fail everywhere else. At church, they act like lambs. They're sweeter than honey. Amen. Great things come out of their mouth. But at home, they're a totally different animal. Amen. Ain't no animals here this morning, is there? Nothing but lambs here this morning. Praise the Lord. So, as a disciple of Christ, Ananias was qualified, I believe, to minister to Saul. That was one of the reasons that he was qualified. I believe God qualified him to go minister to Saul. He didn't have to be an apostle. You don't have to be an apostle here this morning, Amen. You don't have to be, you know, uh, 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 you don't have to have a doctorate in theology or anything like that to be able to minister, to be able to uh, have a calling of God upon your life. You know, God uses those people as well because He's called them for a certain purpose, Amen. But God doesn't call everybody to be great theologians and doctors of the, of those kinds of things. God just calls you just to be a surrendered life and say, you know what, just be a disciple, just position yourself, and live what you learn. That's what a disciple does. He learns and then he lives it. He learns and then he gives it. So here this morning, we're going to learn and we're going to give. Amen? And there's another reason why I believe that he was chosen, or another quality I I believe that he had, why God chose him to go ahead and go minister to Saul. Because that's exactly what he did, right? He was chosen to go minister to Saul. God came to him in a vision and said, hey, there's this guy named Saul over here. His name's Saul of Tarsus. And I I need you to go over there. And, And Ananias was like, oh, shoot. He knew that name right away. He was like, oh, man. Everybody knows Greg, right? Why well, I need you to go over there. I need you to minister to him. And he was like, he was like, what? Are you crazy? You know who this, who this guy is? You know what he's doing? Right? Uh, uh, okay, right? How many you know that sometimes that's going to happen? The pastor's going to call you? Amen? Those Once you get into leadership, amen? Sometimes you know, the pastor's going to call you and say, hey, I need you to go do this. And you're like, what? You know who that guy is? Amen. But when God calls you, when God calls you, and you hear his voice clearly as day, and you're like, you know that it's God talking to you. because so I, I guarantee you, when God speaks to you and you're open and you're where you're supposed to be, you've positioned yourself, when God speaks to you, you know it's God. You know it's God. You're not just like, you know, you can't flip it like, I didn't hear that. No, you heard it. And when he does that, he's going to ask you to do stuff that's going to take you out of your comfort zone like he did Ananias. And one of the reasons why I believe Ananias was able to uh, react the way that he did was because he was also very devout. He was very devout. And you might say, what does that word mean that's very, you know, foreign to me, the word devout. You don't hear that word very often. Usually we hear, oh, they're a devout Catholic, right? We hear, that's usually the only time we hear that word nowadays, amen. But he was a very devout person. Now, there's a word we don't hear very often. Now, here in Acts 22, verse 12, a man named Ananias came to see me. See here, Paul actually talks about Ananias. After this whole encounter with Jesus, and he's in the house, and Ananias came to see him, and then Paul went on to do what God was calling him to do, he actually makes reference to Ananias talking to somebody else. He's talking to somebody else, but he actually makes reference to Ananias. Now when somebody remembers somebody in the Bible and begins to speak about them here, it, they do it for a reason. Because there's a lot of things that happen within the Bible that's not, or in these times that you don't hear about in the Bible. Because it probably wasn't, didn't really make, wasn't really that important. So when he mentions Ananias here, it's for a reason. It's because it's important. And what he says is there was a man named Ananias who came to see me. And he was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there so he was able to say something you know that powerful about Ananias after they had that encounter see here Paul himself describes Ananias that he was a devout observer of the law now devout means deeply religious and earnest and that would be you know that was a more of a dictionary term or a dictionary definition of what it means but I found another one and I like it better it says, one that reverently stands in awe of God and His word and then expresses that reverence through action. I'm going to read that again. One that reverently stands in awe of God and His word and then expresses that reverence through actions. Amen? Christians are devout only as long as they respect God and practice His word. We have to learn that as Christians, we have to respect God. We have to stand in awe of of his majesty, we have to stand in reverence to who he is and what he represents because God is sovereign. God is over everything. There's nobody more powerful than God. And sometimes as Christians, we begin to forget who God really is, what what God really is. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. God is omnipotent. God is all these things. And we should be able to just stand there and, wow, God, just stand in awe of who he is but not just stand in awe of who he is, not just reverence who he is, but we have to express that reverence. Because it's one thing to stand in reverence of something. Oh, God, he's so great. Oh, he's so awesome. Okay, well, if he's so great and so awesome, why don't you express that through your action? Amen? Express that reverence. Express that awe. If you are really in awe of God, well, then you've got to get out and do something about it. You've got to get out and share that with somebody else so that they can stand in awe of God. It's not for, again, it's not for us to hold on to that awe and that reverence for ourselves. You know, go into our, you know, you hear people say, we well, got to get into your prayer closet. It's not for you to go into your prayer closet and just stand there all by yourself and say, oh, this is great, and then get, come and then close the door and be, okay, that's it. No, you got to come out of that like, man, I need to go, oh, God is awesome. God is wonderful, man. God did something in my life. I need to go share this with, I need to express this with somebody else through action, amen? And one of those ways that we're going to be doing that march on August 23rd, that's one way you can express your awe for God and your reverence for God is by going out there and marching the streets, holding a sign saying, you know what? God loves you. God wants to change your life. God loves Hayward. Amen. God, just stand in awe and reverence the power of God. So how come we don't hear about this word anymore? How can we don't hear about devout Christians or people that are like this? How can we don't hear that word too much anymore? And I think because of it uh, is what I just said is a lot of Christians today are failing to stand in awe of God. They stand in awe of the great worship music. Oh, that was great. Oh, man, that was awesome. Right? They stand and they, they reverence, you know, uh, the lead worshiper. Man, that guy was just, man, A.G. was awesome. Ah. Oh. Right? There's nothing wrong with loving worship music and love. this. That all has its place. But when we do that instead of standing in awe of God, in reverence of God, then we're... I would say, I don't know if this is a word, we disposition ourselves, right? We're no longer standing in awe and reverencing God. Now we're getting into something else, which is idol worship. We begin to worship other things besides God. And that's a whole other Bible study, amen? That's one of the reasons why I believe that we don't hear about devout Christians anymore, people that have this kind of faith, because we're not standing in awe of God anymore. We're not reverencing Him the way we're supposed to. Why are we not doing it? Well, look at the culture that we live in today. The culture that we live in today is messed up. It's not the culture that we live in. It's not the way it used to be back in the 50s, or back in the 60s, or back then. You look back there. And you remember? How many guys remember Leave It to Beaver? Right? That was the. That wasn't just a TV program. That was reality. That was the way the world was back then. When they were making that, it was black and white because the world was black and white. And what I mean by that was this was right and that was wrong. That was the culture. Today, everything's right. Nothing is wrong. We're supposed to tolerate everything. And that's the culture that we live in. It's a wrong culture. We need to get back to the black and white of this is right and that is wrong. That's why we don't see the Christians the way we used to see Christians. Christians would stand up and tell people, that's wrong and that's right. And they wouldn't get persecuted because of it. Nowadays, you say, that's wrong and that's right. Watch out. You're in for a fight. Amen. But that's the culture that we live in. We can no longer stand in awe of God and reverence God the way that we're supposed to. Amen. We're not. We're not allowed. We don't. We're not having the freedom that we used to be able to express that reverence, to express that awe through our actions the way that we used to be able to. But how you know that doesn't stop us? Amen. We're still going to go out there. All right? Our pastor and our leaders and our ministry, we know that it doesn't matter what the, what the government says. It doesn't matter what the local police say. We're still going to go out there and we're going to let people know that Jesus loves them. We're going to still let them know that there's a church in Hayward that loves them and that God has a plan for their life. It's not going to stop us. The culture is not going to stop us. But some Christians allow the culture to come in. They begin to flirt with the culture. Amen? They begin to bring it into their lives in subtle, subtle ways. And sometimes it's not because, you know, it's not because it's not, they don't do it knowingly, but they just do it because of the way the culture is. The culture, the enemy's slick, man. The enemy's slick. He ain't no dummy. Praise the Lord. He's been around for a long time. He's been doing this for quite a while. Praise God. So he knows what he's doing. He comes in there slick. He'll come in there and you won't even know it. Amen. He'll be laying right next to you in bed. You won't even know it. Praise the Lord. And I, I didn't mean that for the married man. It's not your wife. She's not the devil. Amen. So don't look at your wife and say, he says he's laying next to me. Amen. That's not what I meant. But what I meant is he's right there next to you sometimes, and you don't even know it. He's standing right next to you, man, and he's just in your ear. Amen? And you're listening to it, but we don't hear it for what it is because we're not standing in awe of God. We're not reverencing God. We haven't positioned ourselves as a disciple to hear the voice of God, to be able to recognize the voice of God because the devil's voice sounds sweet. Amen? See, expression of reverence through actions, what does that mean? How do we express reverence through actions? One of, the reasons, one of the reasons why we, we, we can't, one of, the reasons that, one of the bad reasons that we have, what happens when we don't express these different things, we don't express our reverence, we don't express our love for God because we, we stand in awe of Him and we reverence Him. We don't express that through our actions. What happens is we have poor service to God and poor service to the lost. That's when churches begin to stop going out to the streets. We start to go, stop going out ministering to people. Even us personally, we begin to be walking down the streets, we begin to see somebody that's in need, somebody that's hurting, right? And we begin to walk, we begin go, oh, shoot, I'm going over here. You know, because we're so busy. You know, i, oh, I got to get in there and get that pizza, man. Hallelujah. When they're waiting for the pizza, right, looking outside, and you still see that guy there, you still see the person out there, and you're already thinking about, how am I going to get to my car without having to talk to that guy? oh right? And I, I'm guilty. It's happened to me. It's happened to me. When I'm not where I'm supposed to be, when I'm not standing in awe of God, and I'm not reverencing the Lord, and I'm not, you know, expressing that through action, that's what begins to happen. I begin to get numb, my service towards, you know, uh, uh, God and also the lost. Because that's what God has called us to do. God has called us, you know, to, to have service to him, right? To worship him, but also to express actions to the lost. To the world that's out there hurting and dying. But what happens is when we're not standing in awe of God, we're not reverencing him the way that we're supposed to, that begin, we can begin to get numb to the lost. And we also begin to get numb to God. You see, to be a devout Christian, we have to be servants, expressing our devotion we have to express that devotion. It's not enough to say, oh, "I'm devoted to God," you know. I love God with all my heart and all my soul. It's like, okay, well, what are you doing for Him? Right? The expression, the action, is the evidence. Right? We learned about this before many times that those things that that's the evidence of 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 a new life right when god comes in and changes our life we have that 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 a resurrection you know uh, experience with him where he he brings us back from the dead some of us were dead spiritually we were dead spiritually and god came and we got saved we accepted him into our lives and now we're like damn i'm saved okay well the expression of your action that's the evidence that there's change that you're not you, you are that new creation that the bible says that you are amen because we could say oh god i'm a new creation in christ really are you are you really you know, Pastor Steve used to say, you know, well, I don't know if I should say it. <laughs> he used to get away with saying a lot of things, amen? I don't know if I should say it. But uh, uh, should I say it? Nah, I'm not going to say it. I'll put it a different way. You know, put your money where your mouth is. I'll put it like that, right? You say, oh, I'm saved. I'm sanctified. God changed my life. Really? You know, evaluate yourself. Put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your mouth is. Amen. Go out to the streets. Not just on Sunday. Because you could be, you know, a devout Christian on Sunday. It's easy to be a devout Christian on Sunday, praise the Lord. But we need to be at 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. This is something non-stop, Amen. We don't punch a clock in Christianity. You know, we don't, boom, okay, I'm at home now. Praise the Lord. Crack open a couple beers, you know, turn on that, that station that, you know, nobody, you know, we know we shouldn't be watching. Right? Kick the dog, you know, punch the kids. You know, and then come to church on Sunday. Hallelujah! Praise God! You know, We can't live those. We don't do that. That's not a devout Christian. Amen? That's not what God has called us to. That's what God has called us out of. God has called us out of all, of, all, of, all of that stuff. See, devotion to Christ means commitment from sunup to sundown. At work, at home, when we're in our car. How many know sometimes the enemy comes and we're in our car? Amen? We get fleshed out in the car. Amen? Is that just me? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Or anywhere we go, even when we go shopping. Has anybody ever gone shopping uh, with somebody who likes to witness? No? Oh my gosh. Uh, You got to go with Brother Mondo Sr. Sheesh. You want to talk about somebody who's sold out, that lives it, that expresses his devotion to Christ through his actions? It's Brother Mondo Sr., Junior too, but senior. We went. I went. To, we, were at, we were. out witnessing. We were out in front of Walmart. We were out doing. I forget what event we were doing, but we were out there. You know, out there. You know, it's easy to go pass out flyers in the parking lot, right? Because there's like hundreds and hundreds of people, especially at our Walmart, right? So, for 24 hours. So we were out there, and he goes, "Hey, come on, brother, let's go inside." I'm like, "All right." So we went inside. I thought, you know, he wanted to go get something. I thought he may, you go know, get some deodorant, and he didn't bring toothpaste with him or something, and he wanted to go pick up something, and, you know, he was just talking. And next thing you know, he would see would stuff. He goes, "Sorry," and he would learn it was, "Hey, how you doing? I want to invite you to my church." You know, he didn't know those people. This wasn't his church, but he was inviting people. He was witnessing to people the whole time we were inside. I was like, wow, this is awesome. I mean, he witnessed about 30, 40 people while we were in, inside Walmart, and it was just awesome. to be. He was expressing his devotion. He was expressing his awe of God. He was reverencing God through his actions. It doesn't matter where he was at, and he calls that lifestyle evangelism. But see, that's what we have to live. We have to live lifestyle expression of God's love has to be a lifestyle. It can't be something we just do part-time. Hello? can't be a part-time Christian. Amen? God doesn't call part-time Christians. He calls us to full-time ministry. And thirdly, Ananias was chosen not only because he was a devout man, or he was also chosen because he was filled with the Spirit. Amen? See, when we read these passages of Scripture, we see two central characters here. We read, but there was another person who was involved in this encounter as well. And that third person was the Holy Spirit. See, Ananias' vision that he got from God would not have been possible without the Holy Spirit. Because it was the Holy Spirit that came upon him and showed him the vision. Amen. That he was supposed to go talk to Paul and go you know, minister to him and uh, pray for him. And that his sight would be returned. Amen. The Holy Spirit. Ananias' vision would not have been possible without the Holy Spirit. Him restoring Saul's sight would not have been possible without the move of the Holy Spirit upon his life, without him being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you know that a man cannot go lay a hand on another man and his sight be restored in his own power. I can't lay my hand on somebody and see any kind of a healing if it's not for the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. Him restoring Saul's sight would not have been possible. You see, the Holy Spirit is our empowerment for service. That's why God has given us the Holy Spirit. One of the most important reasons why God has given us the Holy Spirit is so it empowers us, gives us the power to go out and witness. It gives us the power to share with somebody you know, that nobody else wants to talk to. It empowers us to come every Sunday and usher. It empowers us every Sunday to come up here and sing worship. It empowers us to service. It empowers us to express our devotion to God in our actions. Just like Ananias the Holy Spirit had filled him so that he can go and do what God had called him to do. To go talk to Paul. To go minister to Paul. And that's why the relationship with the Spirit of God is very important and it's very vital within our lives. Amen? We have to be filled with the Spirit. We have to be filled with the Spirit. Because sometimes, a lot of Christians, they try to go out and they try to you know, do service to the Lord, to do service to the lost on their own power. Amen? And they get discouraged because they don't see the results that they think they should see oh, man, God didn't even move, man, nobody wanted to hear us, and this and that, and man, I was scared. Okay, well, was it really, you know, did you go out, did you pray about it? Did you you ask God to, you know, have his way? And did you, you know, give God, you know, did you stand in awe of God and reverence him and say, okay, Lord, it's going to be all you, it's not going to be me, and allow the Holy Spirit to come upon you and then go out there and power, Because it's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit to go out there sometimes and deal with the stuff that you're going to deal with. Because you're going to go out there and people, they got demons in them, man. They got you know, I am I, I not want to scare nobody, but there's going to be people out there that you can ask Eric. They go out there, you go to the tenderloin, you better be prayed up. You better have the Holy Spirit with you. because the Holy Spirit will have your back. Amen. You might have your eyes closed praying for somebody, but the Holy Spirit's watching, you're making sure no one's going to come up behind you. Amen. But the Holy Spirit, you have to have that power. Because when we go out there, there's things out there that we deal with that you're going to have to have the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to handle. Amen. Like here, like Ananias, he was going to deal with the biggest persecutor of the church. Amen. He had to have the power of the Holy Spirit, probably just to get him to take that first step towards that house. Oh man, he didn't want to go because he didn't know what was going to happen. But the Holy Spirit came upon him. God moved in a mighty way. God was able to restore Paul's sight and able to give him his calling. Amen. All because of Ananias' willingness to what come sit as a disciple, right? Because of his devoutness to Christ, his devoutness to, you know, the commitment that he had to Christ, but also because he allowed the Holy Spirit to come into his life. He was spirit-filled. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of God. See, the reason Jesus commanded us to be filled with the Spirit is because He wants us impacted with supernatural power. See, the Holy Spirit brings supernatural power. You might think you're strong. You might think you have enough strength within yourself to do certain things, right? I know we come and we have a lot of, especially men, we have that drilled into us, excuse me, at a young age. You can do it, right? Come on, you need to man up right? Well, sometimes we need a Holy Spirit up. Even us men, we can't do it on our own strength. We can't do things. on our, We can't be married men on our own strength. Can I hear an amen, married men? That was your opportunity right there. You guys lost it. Amen. Praise the Lord. I can't be a married man. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit giving me supernatural power, I couldn't, I wouldn't still be married. Amen. I would be single, miserable single. Amen because we need that power within our lives, because it gives us power to do so many things that we can't do upon, you know, on ourselves. Even stuff like, you know, stay married. Go to work every day, right? And, And come to church and serve and do all these different things. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own power. We get tired, amen? In John chapter 20, verse 22, he says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You see here, John, he wanted them to breathe what he was breathing, he wanted the life breath that he was of his being to be the life breath of their being. He also knows that if we breathe what he breathed, then each of us can live a supernatural life. If we breathe that breath, that Holy Spirit, when, when, when you receive it into your life, you receive the Holy Spirit, right? When the, you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you begin to breathe that and you begin to let it just permeate through your whole body, through every, every finger and every foot, every hair in your body, and you get to let it just let the Holy Spirit have his way, you can do supernatural things. You can do things you never thought were possible. Amen? <clears throat> yes, we need faith. Yeah, we need prayer. Yeah, we need to learn how to fast. Yes, and of course, we need his word. But without the Holy Spirit, there's no power to activate it. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no power behind it. It's just something good that we did. Right? We're just being a good person. Hey, we prayed. Hey, I fasted yesterday. Hey, Amen. I, I read I, I read like five chapters in the Bible. Okay. Well, did you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you? Because you could do all that stuff, but there's going to be no power behind it. There's no power to activate it. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. It activates all that, all that stuff that we do, all that prayer, all the fasting, all the reading, all that stuff, it activates it all. It gives it the power so that we can go out and use it. Amen? How many of you guys want to go out and use it? Praise God. I'm going to have go ahead and come to the, to the piano here this afternoon. You see, God has chosen you. God has chosen me. God has chosen the person sitting next to you. God has chosen the person sitting behind you. An ordinary person, even though they might not look ordinary, amen, look the person next to you. They might look extraordinary, amen. But they're ordinary, amen, to most men. But God has called us to do extraordinary things for Him. God has called the ordinary things of the world. He's called the stupid things of the world, amen. The Bible says... To confound the wise. I don't know about you, but I was stupid. I know a lot of people don't like that word, but that's what I was. I was a fool. The Bible says that he calls the foolish things of the world. I don't know about you, but I was a fool in the world. You know, and I, I, don't, I don't want to ever be that person again. But God has called the foolish things of the world. And I dare say that most of us here are, were fools at one time. There might even be some fools here this morning. Amen? But I'm here to let you know that God has called you, fool, to confound the wise. God has called you to tell those people that think they're so smart, look what I can do now with the power of God. Look what I'm able to do. Look what I'm capable of doing. Not on my own power, but on God's power. Amen. God has called you. God has called me. See, Ananias didn't get a bunch of glory, right? His name's only mentioned like twice in the Bible. But God called him to do an extraordinary thing. If it wasn't for Ananias, what would have happened? Who would have God sent? Would he have sent somebody else? Probably but he didn't, he called Ananias Ananias he called Ananias Ananias could have said when he heard that call he could have said, who's that? he could have said, no Lord, I'm not going because I know there's times when I did that when God called me God spoke to me, I said, no I'm not doing that no, but one of the reasons why is because I wasn't positioned, I didn't position myself where I was supposed to be so that when he called, I was like, no, I'm good. Amen. But Ananias, he positioned himself. Not so that God would call him. And that's the reason. We, we, that's not what we do. We don't position ourselves. I'm going to position myself right here because, you know what? I want all the glory. I want all the fame. I want my name to be written down in the books. And I want this and I want that. That's not why we position ourselves. That's not why Ananias positioned himself. He positioned himself because he knew he had to position himself. He just knew that's what I needed to do. Not because somebody told him just because he knew I, I i need to be a disciple of christ i need to learn from christ and then i need to go ahead and i need to give that back out to other people and that's what he did i need to be i need to be committed to that i need to be a devout christian i need to be somebody who's going to you know what i'm going to stand in awe of god and all his glory and everything that he is and everything that he's done for me i'm going to reverence him not because he's blessed my life not because he's changed me and saved me but because he's god just for that reason alone we should reverence him because he's god He's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's all-seen. Just that alone, he needs to be reverenced. We should just stand in that, Oh, that. But of course, the things that he's done within our lives, the things that he's taken us from, the things that he's changed, things that he's taken away, and the new life that he's given us. See, Ananias didn't get all that glory, he didn't get all that fame, but he did get called. He did what God called him to do. And he positioned himself. As a disciple, he positioned himself as a devout person of his faith, his faith to action. He put it all into action. Amen. And he followed direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that led him to Paul. It was the Holy Spirit that directed him where to go and what to do. And he followed it. He heard, and then he obeyed. He heard, and then he obeyed. And here this morning, we need more Ananias in the church. We need more men and women Yeah, we need men and women that are going to rise up and take the calling upon their lives and they're going to go take countries. They're going to go take cities for God. They're going to go start churches. Of course, we need all that. But we need Ananias too. We need men and women that are just going to rise up and say, you know what? I want to be a disciple. I want to hear and then I want to obey. I want to learn and then I want to do. I want to be committed to that. I want to be a devout person. I want to be a devout person of my faith. I want to stand in awe of God. I want to stand and reverence God. And I want to allow the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me through those actions. That's what we need in the church today. I look look around the church today, and there's a lot of new faces. Yeah, there's a lot of people that have been here for years. I thank God for those people. Because if it wasn't for those people, we wouldn't be here today. But there's people that are here today that you might be new to the church. You might be new to Christianity. And this is what we need if we want to continue another 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. We need more Ananias. That's why the church was able to be fruit. One of the reasons why I believe that the church was able to take off the way they did was because of Ananias, because of what he did, just ministering to one person. God didn't call him to change the world. He didn't say, I need you to go out there and evangelize the world. I want you to go out there and go evangelize this part of the country and go evangelize that part of the country. I just want you to go evangelize that man. I want you to go to speak to that person. That's all. And look what happened. That person one of the greatest evangelists the world has ever seen. He wrote most of the New Testament. Powerful. Don't ever minimize what God is calling you to do. Don't think, oh, well, you know, I just, you know, he's just a homeless guy. I just, you know, gave him something to eat. You know, you don't know who the homeless guy, is. you don't know what God has called that guy to do. You don't know the calling that God has put upon his life. That could be the next Billy Graham. Could be. I challenge you read the story of Billy Graham he had an experience like that because somebody went out of their way with one act of kindness changed a little boy's life and he became the greatest evangelist of our time Billy Graham don't ever minimize the calling of God upon your life see people that are going to position themselves for discipleship become those devout committed to God's vision people and allow the Holy Spirit to fill them and activate them for the ministry of reaching the lost, no matter the cost. And we've been learning about all through this Legacy Month about you know Pastor Steve and Pastor Josie and the legacy that they brought to the city of Hayward. You guys are the legacy. You guys are the ones that are going to go reach the lost, no matter the cost. You guys are the ones. I'm the one. That's our legacy. Because you see, the days that we live in are not getting any better, people. Things are not getting better. If you watch the news this morning or last night. Or the day before, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. You know, you say, oh, my God, He said, hell? Yes, I did. Read what's going on in the Middle East. It's all in here. It's all in here. Don't think it peculiar. What are we going to do? Oh, my gosh. If you read this, you already know it's going to happen. But if you read this, you already know what's going to happen afterwards we live living in the end times. These are the, these are the last days. Things that are written in here are, have already happened. They're already happening right now. So what are you going to do today? A lot of people say, oh, you know what, I'm going to, that sounds great. And you know what, I'll serve God tomorrow. Or I'll, you know, I'll, I'll become a disciple next week or next month, you know, because I got a lot of stuff going on right now. And there's always tomorrow. And there's always next week. Watch the news, man. There might not be a next week. You know, there might not be a next month. You got to do it now. We have to activate that stuff now. We need to receive the Holy Spirit now. We need to be disciples now. Because there might not be opportunity later. Christ is coming back. But he's coming back for a church that has positioned themselves exactly where they need to be. Become exactly who he called them to be. He's not coming back for people that we're going to do it. I was gonna be I was gonna become a disciple I was gonna I was gonna do that and I was gonna do this that's not who he's coming back for Bible said he's coming back for a church that is spotless no blemish I'm not you know yeah we, you know God has't called us to be perfect because none of us are ever going to be perfect but God has called us to strive for perfection to try to be perfect even though we' even though we know we're not going to be perfect but see that's the great thing about it even though we know we're not going to be perfect we still try that's the great thing about it is that we have that opportunity to try to be perfect God has given us that opportunity just try, just do it just be all that he's allowing you to be because the world allowed you to only be a little bit right? the the world allowed you to be a fool that's what the world wanted you to be that's all the world allowed you to be but God says no I'm going to use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise in Christ you can be anything in Christ you can do anything and here this morning, go ahead and stand with me this morning. If, and if this message ministered to you in any way, maybe it touched your discipleship. You say, you know what, I, I'm not, I haven't positioned myself where I need to be. I haven't positioned myself to be a disciple. Yeah, I come to church and, you know, uh, I might open my Bible once in a while, but I haven't made that decision to be a disciple, to be a, a learner and be a follower of Christ. Somebody who's going to not just learn what Christ wants me to learn, but I'm also going to use that stuff and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to live it because that's what a disciple is. Maybe here this morning you haven't made that decision yet. You're still on the fence. you got one foot in the world, one foot in church. Well, here this morning, God is calling you, take your foot out of the world and jump off the fence. Jump into God this morning. Become a disciple. Become everything that God wants you to be because you can't be all that on the fence. You'll just be on the fence. You'll be stuck there. Maybe, maybe you're a disciple, but maybe you've been lacking in certain areas of your being devout to him. Being st- maybe you're not standing in awe of Christ anymore. You're not reverencing him the way that you know you need to. Even when the worship plays, you're, it doesn't touch your heart anymore. It doesn't move you at all because you're not standing in awe of him anymore. Maybe that's you this morning. Well, I challenge you to come to the altar this morning.